One of the first things I'd like uh, for us to do together is to hear uh, some simple words from Scripture, from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Uh, they show up on the screen. They're on the outline for you there. Um, could some of our first thoughts of December be these words? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. You know what? Let's read it together. I think it'd be better if it was in your mouth as well as in mine. Uh, so it's on the screen there. It's on the outline right at the top. Uh, if you want to pull that out. And I know you just, I know you just sat down. But let's stand up and read it together. Could we re read these, uh, these incredible God-given words? Ready? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. May God bless his word to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. You may be seated. All right. I need you to, um, I need you to just be tolerant, all right? Like, I know it's December 1. I know that it already feels a little early to, uh, to be thinking about uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, but welcome to Advent. Uh, yes, it seems a little early, but it comes very quickly upon us. It is only December the 1st, but people will already begin to ask you, are you ready for Christmas? It's a common question. It's a common question, and what, what we mean by that many times is, are, are we ready? It's December, uh, so we begin to, uh, to bring those greetings to one another. Uh, maybe you start thinking about decorations and lights and uh, trees and gifts and all the things that, that, that go with our season. We start making plans and thinking about uh, what we're going to do. So everything begins to change. Uh, it's December. Um, we are um, anticipating. You know, we're, we get in the middle of the hurry, scurry, panic, worry, you know, of, uh, of the season. Um, so, as we come to this, you know, God helps us with this. God helps us if we will allow him. And so, um, I, I, have, I love preaching on this day. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of get yourself uh, involved in the Christmas like ne next week. We got the early childhood kids that'll do their uh, part of the service. Will be there. For, you know, how can you not get ready for Christmas with that? I mean, uh, and then the you know the the music that we'll have and the kids program and Christmas Eve. Oh, it's just going to be fantastic. 
But we're not there yet. It's December 1. You know, it's really a day to kind of get your mind right. This is a great day. Uh, Maybe how you think today, how you worship today, could influence your whole Christmas season. Uh, You say, Pastor, you're crazy. I know I'm I'm not crazy, but I am excited uh, about uh, talking to us about this. Because the idea of Advent is is a church is a church thing. You don't hear anybody else uh, out in the retail world talking about Advent. Um, You know, we have an Advent wreath right here. I'm going to talk about that a little later uh, in the service. Advent is the church's way of describing that we're not just waiting for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to celebrate the birth of the Savior. Uh, Actually, what I should have told you Instead of saying Merry Christmas, I probably, according to the church, should have said Happy New Year. Because the beginning of the new year in in the church perspective is today. Today. That we don't wait till New Year's Eve and the calendar turns over. We recognize that this is a time that we come together to prepare ourselves. We don't wait for the new year to get into our hearts on the basis of resolution. We think about the newness that comes when we recognize that Christ has come. That this is, this is his season. So... Uh, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all rolled into one uh, for you. Advent says, let's, let's get ready for Christmas. Let's prepare, not just the decorating and the ornaments and the parties and all of that stuff. Those are all fantastic. We, we love all those parts of Christmas. But if our hearts are not right, Christmas won't be right. If our hearts and our minds are really not focused, uh, so... We come together to make room for Jesus. That we come to let our relationship with Christ be renewed. Let's allow Jesus to be born in us, fresh and new in our hearts this Christmas. Let's prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. The key word is prepare. Prepare yourself. Prepare your heart. Think about what you would do to prepare. Uh, We we just heard some words in a song. You'll sing this song many times. You'll hear it uh, all around. Wherever you go, you'll hear joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And in this phrase, let every heart prepare him room. As, as you sing that song, don't, don't let that phrase just zoom by you as you go on to the, uh, to the next part, joy to the world. Let every heart prepare him room, prepare for this season. You know, the Christmas season gets so full and so frantic that though the season really is about Jesus, if we aren't very intentional, he can get left completely out. Isn't that true? I mean, if we aren't intentional, it's easy to leave him completely out of it all, or at least, for many, just an afterthought. But in this day and time that we live, in the kind of culture that we live in today, we must make a determined decision to keep Christ, keep Christmas about Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? 
maybe I get a little hearty amen. Uh, yes, we have to, in the day and times that we live today, we have to make a determined effort, a determined decision to keep Christ, keep Christmas about Jesus Christ. Um, so that's, that's really my uh, aim today is to uh, cause you to think about that and to think about um, making room for him. Uh, Casting Crowns has this little song. I'm not going to sing the whole thing for you. Uh, just a little phrase of it. It was one of the last things we sang uh, last year at Christmas. And it says, Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write his story? You can come as you are, but it will set you apart when you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for his glory. Make room in your heart. Make room in your heart. I love that. Uh, that little chorus, it's, uh, it just reminds us to, that we're going to decide to make room for Christ. So, what practical steps would you take to do that? Like, what, what determined decision could you make today, December 1, whether you're watching online or whether you're here, um, you know, I, I, I have a few suggestions, like, um, like thinking about your attitude, that whole attitude of gratitude, singing the carols, reading the Christmas story, praying more during the season, season, spending more time with Jesus, slowing down and enjoying the lights and the decorations and the food and the family time, focusing deliberately on important relationships, doing something for others in need, uh, attending Christmas worship services through throughout the season and events that will happen here at the church that will help you buying gifts carefully and with meaning, expressing love to others with great purpose, enjoying gatherings with others, planning your Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with, with Christ in mind. I mean, what else, what else could you think of? What, what strikes you? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little activity uh, for just a moment. So if you stand up. And I'd like you just to, 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 to look around. You don't have to move around a whole lot, but just uh, with the people that are around you or behind you or across, just four or five of you get together and decide uh, what you're going to do to keep Christ as a center part of, of your Christmas. Like, what could you practically do? I gave you some ideas. I'm talking a little longer because you're thinking right now, what am I going to say in this little circle that I'm in right now? Because I want you to make a decision. Talk to somebody and have some ideas about about how I can do it. So turn around, meet each other, greet each other, take two or three minutes. What are you going to do?
All right, you got about one more minute. I had a great conversation with these boys down here, so that was great. All right, if you're done, you can be seated. Thank you. All right, be accountable now. Be accountable about uh, your choices, your attitude. What uh, could you be thinking about to help prepare yourself for the kind of Christmas that God would want us to have? So, to help us do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Luke 2.12, uh, the last verse of the section that we read. You know, it reminds me of the, of the little girl that was watching her parents try to figure out uh, the Christmas season, and there was a lot of arguing, and there was a lot of frustration, and she was trying to be involved in helping, and she, she kind of got treated like, you just need to be out of the way. We got a lot, a lot to do. So that night, she prayed a prayer. Maybe it's a prayer you need to pray. She said, our Father who art in heaven, please forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to help you with that uh, as, as we're thinking about this today. So uh, Luke 2.12 2, says, uh, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Uh, so Christmas, uh, the Christmas story, um, you know, one thing I hear people say is, you know, when, you, when you've gone to 10, 20, 30, 40 different Christmas plays and you've listened to all the sermons uh, from Christmas and you heard and sung every Christmas carol there is a few hundred times uh, in your life that sometimes you just wonder, is there anything kind of fresh, anything new? I, I mean, if you know about Christmas, then you know about Mary and the angel Gabriel and you know about the, the journey to Bethlehem and Caesar's decree and uh, Herod's jealousy um, about the, the coming of this child, about the inn that had no room, about the angels and the shepherds and the wise men that came from the east and uh, the birth of Christ in this, in this stable uh, there in Bethlehem. We, we know a lot about that. So it's really easy to hear and not hear, to hear, to see it, to sing the songs, but not really hear it fresh uh, so, so we're preparing. You know, people say familiarity, familiarity can breed contempt, but it can also breed casual disinterest in us. So making a decision to think about this amazing story of the tiny, helpless baby that was sent by God uh, to us. It's one of the most amazing things is to... Uh, recognize and look at the detail of what uh, has happened here. So I want to give you some ideas about this. What do we learn from this one verse? Um, many of you know, I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a one verse kind of guy. I like to just take one verse often and see what does it has to say to us. Let's make sure we really understand that. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Uh, now, right off the bat, I, I notice that uh, we learn about the birth of Jesus is a sign from God. That's the first point there. We learn that the birth of Jesus is a sign from God. Now, when, when it says that, you know, the, it kind of just rings in my head when I, when I read that, that, um, you know, what is, what is he talking about here? What is he talking about giving a sign? You know, the context is the verse before it that we read said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Um, you know, these shepherds that heard these words originally were totally unprepared 
uh, for what they heard. A Savior's born. Messiah has come. The Lord of heaven is here. He's come uh, to Bethlehem. And I wonder what they're thinking. Where, where in Bethlehem? A baby born in Bethlehem? I'm pretty sure he was not the only one. Uh, born that night. Uh, we know that lots of babies were born during that time because eventually Herod was concerned that they find all the different babies that were born in this time period. But God says, this is a sign for you. Now, a sign, you know, generally in the Bible refers to some kind of supernatural sign, like a sign like the parting of the Red Sea or um, somebody being raised from the dead, or walking on water, or even Jesus rising from the dead. Those, are, those events are like signs of God has intervened in the universe. And so in verse 12, sounds a little strange for him to say, this will be a sign to you. You know, I, you kind of expect there to be like a, this big thing happens, like a meteor just goes right across the sky or the, the moon turns to blood or, or something amazing. I mean, this sign from God, but it's not like that. A baby wrapped in King James's swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In what way is a baby a sign from God? Why would God choose to enter the human race alongside us in this way? The text mentions a part about wrapped in cloths, the manger, uh, the Bethlehem night there. Uh, so what, what you see right away is that the details of the Christmas birth are really important uh, to God. The circumstances uh, that took place there, it was a, it was a sign. Uh, it was something that God wanted us to recognize that he's sending him. So he chose a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Um, the early church used to say that it was a tremendous and wonderful sign. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest or revealed in the flesh. Uh, he goes on to say that we should, um, we should live out this, this holy experience because it's the word become flesh and now dwelling among us. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 predicted that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. And yet people, even religious people, didn't realize it. They didn't see the divine moment in the ordinary. They missed him altogether. The Jews wanted a sign, but they weren't expecting the sign of a baby in a manger. God gave them a sign and they missed it. It was so simple. You know, God goes out of his way to communicate and to reveal himself to us. That's one of the details that we realize here. God says this is a sign because he wants you to know this is a message for you. This message that this baby that is being sent would be offered to you. So, you know, if you, don't, if you didn't know anything about the birth of Christ, about Christmas, other than Luke 2.12, these are some things we can learn. The birth was a sign from God. Number two, we learn that Jesus comes as a baby, that he is fully human, a baby. Uh, that's, uh, that's what the Greek word says there. It means uh, infant or newborn. Um, oh, we love babies, don't we? Yeah, we love babies. Um, you know, next, next month, my grandbaby will be two. Uh, that's very exciting. I remember how all that worked. You know, the, the 
struggle, the fear, you know, the waiting for the baby to come, and then the birth was terrible, uh, and it was a difficult experience. We didn't know how the baby was going to do, so, you know, all that nervousness, uh, but it's fantastic. Uh, I love her so much. I should have put her picture up there or whatever, but do you know that this Christmas we are celebrating because she's pregnant again? We're going to have number two. Next, so exciting. Babies do that to us, don't they? Uh, they? They get our attention. And so Christ is coming into the world, born uh, as a baby. Do you know that Jesus' physical birth was exactly like yours? You know, we talk about that it was a virgin birth, but the, the miracle was in the conception, not in the birth. There was nothing unusual. He, he experienced birth just like, uh, just like all of us, that you would see this baby. He had a human birth. Um, Jesus had a miracle conception, but a normal birth. He was part of a family. He was a physical descendant of King David. He grew up as a child. He became a man who was tempted, hungry, tired, sleepy. He had many relationships with others just like us. He felt pain and he experienced death as a man, 100% man while remaining 100% God. He is the one and only, the unique God man. That is Jesus. And that's what he's telling us uh, in, this, in this scripture moment, that Jesus was a sign from God and that he was born just like all of us, that Jesus came uh, as a baby, he had all the fingers and toes just like us. Uh, he had all the emotions and the, everything that was a requirement uh, for being a human being. Uh, he had uh, all those things. That's our Savior, the one who experienced everything uh, just like us. Now, uh, the third point is that we learn that Jesus is born into the world helpless. Helpless. That kind of goes right along with the idea of him being a baby. Uh, all of our babies show up helpless, right? Uh, all of them need full-time attention and care and love, and that was no different for Mary and Joseph in, in Jesus. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he needed care and love. God assigned Mary and Joseph to take care of him, uh, his needs. Mary changed his diapers. Mary nursed him. They gave him affection. Uh, they loved him. You know, in his future, he would become uh, the savior of the world. He's still the king of kings, but he's helplessly lying in a manger. He created everything, and yet he cried, and he needed food. He needed to be taken care of. His name was above every name. Uh, he was the savior of the world, and yet he came to us uh, as a helpless baby. Uh, amazing, isn't it? That he would so clearly identify with us to believe that Jesus would come really for us. You know, nobody really believes it the way Christians do. I mean, the Jews, they don't really believe that. They held that Jesus was in high esteem but not that really he was the son of God. Uh, the Muslims don't believe it. It's just a great prophet. Um, other, many other religions don't, but, the, but we believe that Jesus is the one and only son of God who is God manifest in the flesh, and he came as a baby. It says here that he was wrapped in cloths. 
You know, I learned something. This grandchild thing uh, taught me something. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law are, um, you know, fantastic millennials. And so they've raised their baby by this uh, book that they found. And they, got, and they do it by the book. Now, if I said that in second service, they would really, some of them would really. Um, no, just, they, they had a plan. They had it laid it out. You know, they, like, almost to the day, you know, when you start eating this and this and all, all the sleeping and all, all of this stuff. You know, one thing I didn't, that I learned about was swaddling. You know, I'd heard that word in the King James, it says swaddling clothes. And so you read that when you're a kid and wonder, what is that? But, you know, swaddling's a thing. It's a big thing. Um, they, they were competitive trying to figure out who was the best swaddler. I mean, they were practicing and doing, this was like pre-baby. I mean, there's all this practice going on. They're practicing on the, the little niece and uh, the, the, just a few months older. And so, you know, then when they have the child, you know, you got to lay it out just right. And so it's, it's like wrapping a gift, man. You got to get it just, just right and you fold it over. And, you know, it's a thing. Right? Some of y'all know what I'm saying. Some of you think I'm crazy. I'm just granddad right now. See, um, But that's the same idea as what is happening here. Like the life um, of, a, of a little infant in the time that Jesus was born was really not very good. They didn't have a lot of medical care. And so this swaddling idea, taking these claws and wrapping the baby kind of up tightly there, you might think that sounds a little cruel, but it was really a protection uh, over that child, wherever the child was sleeping or uh, wherever it would go uh, to make sure that that child had the best possible uh, opportunity uh, to survive. So you're looking at this baby. And this baby, you couldn't say that this baby was rich and powerful. Um, no one can say that, this, that Jesus used his heavenly prerogatives to make his way into the world as an easy entrance. He came not for uh, the faith of a few, but he came to be the savior of the world. And they wrapped him up tightly and cared for him. And he was just a helpless child that you and I could so clearly identify with. This is a sign from God. You will find this baby, and it says, lying in a manger. You know, one of the problems that we have with the whole story of Christmas is, um, you know, about the only time we ever hear the word manger is now. Uh, like, what is a manger? It doesn't really communicate well just generally. The concept of a manger is, uh, we see it in, these, in our Christmas plays, a manger with a, a feeding, as a feeding trough and a stable you know, a lot of times stables would have been like, a, like it's an open cave or even just some stones that would have been laid around that were kind of a hollowed out area, uh, maybe near a hill. Um, so this, this manger was there as a feeding trough for animals and a place where we learn that Jesus was not born wealthy or powerful, but at his bed was an animal feeding trough lying in a manger. God showed up in a manger. This baby lying forgotten in an outdoor stable, resting in a feeding trough is God's appointed sign to us. This is the incarnation. Incarnation means that God showed up in our midst, that he came and was a part of us. God chose to come into the world in the most unlikely way. Philippians 2.7 says, 
He was made, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Nothing about the baby Jesus appeared supernatural. There were no halos. Uh, I know they show them in pictures, but there were no halos. No um, angels visible uh, other than just the proclamation of that night to the shepherds. No, no choir singing, no, nothing that would have been there. No other information that we have that would have concluded that this baby born was simply born to a poor couple who were down on their luck. That's what you would have thought if you would walk by this hostel where they tried to stay at a, uh, an inn and how they were in the back in this stable. Nothing about the outward circumstances pointed to this child being God. Isn't it amazing? The depths that God went to stoop down to where we are. The disinterest of the world around him. No room for him. The simplicity of the gospel. Uh, lonely dirty, smelly place for animals. If you're looking for Jesus, you don't start in the nursery, you start at the stable. You look around and find him with his mom and dad, his earthly parents. You know, the reason we don't see it many times, the reason people have missed it all across the centuries is that faith is a gift from God. You know, God touches our hearts and helps us to see. You might be in this room today, and you might be struggling with Christ in your life. Maybe you've never made a, a, a strong decision for him. But recognizing that Jesus made himself so small, so tiny, so vulnerable, so that you could reach to him. So you could reach in. You know, if the world needed like more education, God would have sent a teacher to us. Uh, if God knew the world needed uh, more power, he could have sent an army uh, for us. Uh, he didn't send a banker because we needed more money. He sent a savior. He sent a baby to us so that we could get to God and be able to receive him and come uh, toward him. We learned, number five, that Jesus came to us in great humility. The whole story, doesn't it just express humility? You will find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. Lauren was about four years old, and her dad asked her, Lauren, um, what is Christmas? And Lauren said, Christmas is when the baby Jesus was born. And that was a great answer. And then dad said, who is baby Jesus? And this little four-year-old just spouted right out, baby Jesus is the son of God. You know, that little moment between them uh, was seeking to help make sure Lauren knew what the season was really about. You know, everybody likes Lauren's first answer. What is Christmas? Christmas when the baby Jesus was born. People don't like that answer okay. They don't like the second answer so much, that the baby Jesus is the son of God for us. You know, we have a culture around us that shifts the focus of Christmas from the, to the infancy of Jesus from the reality that Jesus is God himself born to us. We have a culture around us that will sing about the birth of a baby, but will reject that Jesus is God in the flesh. Our culture will sing about the nativity, but will reject his authority. The culture will adore him as a baby, as an infant, but never bow down to him as God. Our culture will embrace all the events of the Christmas story, the manger, the shepherds, the wise men, angels, Joseph, Mary, but not believe 
that the story really is, the advent, the coming of Christ in human flesh. So here I'd like, here's how I'd like us to close. Um, th this is an advent wreath. Uh, we, we use this here. It'll move around. Uh, we do all kind of, every Sunday morning here is different during the season. But we'll use this all the way to Christmas Eve. The use of the Advent wreath is a longstanding tradition in the church uh, that was kind of adopted in the Middle Ages as a part of spiritual preparation for Christmas. I would tell you that I think the Advent wreath is when you don't have a sermon like this, the Advent wreath is the sermon uh, because the Advent wreath is a, it's a circular wreath um, that has a lot of symbolism to it. The, the, the wreath is, uh, has various evergreens in it. Uh, the circle of the wreath is, uh, has no beginning or end. It symbolizes the eternity of God, the lastingness of the soul, the everlasting soul. Uh, and the, the wreath is meant to remind us about that the one that we worship at Christmas is the everlasting God, and we have an everlasting soul. It has candles in it. The candles have their own significance. There are four candles representing the four Sundays that we have from December 1 through December 22nd, and then we have a candle in the middle that we light on Christmas Eve. So we have five candles that will help us. Um, the, the, the three candles are purple, Three of them are purple because uh, purple was um, an expression, a representation of, of the, the coming of Christ. It was a color to represent prayer and repentance and sacrifice as we prepare. Each of the candles has traditionally had uh, like a focal point. The first one represents prophecy, and it realizes that the, uh, the prophet Isaiah and others foretold of the coming of Christ. The second candle is the Bethlehem candle that represents Mary and Joseph and the coming of Christ. Uh, the third candle is pink. Uh, it's pink because it's the shepherd's candle. It's an expression of joy, and we're reminded of the angels uh, that sang on that holy night. And the fourth week of having another purple candle that reminds us of the angels that said, peace on earth, goodwill uh, to men. Finally, the center candle is a reminder that it's the Christ candle. And so on Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle reminding us of what this season is really uh, all about. We're going to light this first candle. What I hope that you feel is when you walk in this room, you'll remember December 1. Because when we light this candle, next Sunday, it will be the 8th of December, and you'll be nervous. The 15th of December, we will celebrate it together, and Christmas is close. Almost around the circle already. Oh, the 22nd, oh, you got to be ready by then, right? The 22nd, uh, we will light this candle, and we'll celebrate, and then we'll know that Christmas is just... Uh, a few hours away uh, for us. So uh, today, we're going to sing the first verse of Joy to the World. Remember the line, make him room. Let us make him room. So uh, let's just sing it together, just, to get, just together, a cappella, and we're going to light this candle. Uh, yeah, this one right here in the middle. So joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. 
and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. So, will you be ready for Christmas? As we close the service today, uh, before we take our offering, uh, I printed for you a prayer. Uh, the prayer is at the bottom of your outline there. And I'd love for us to stand together. And let's pray a prayer of preparation. A prayer that says, um, I'm, I'm going to get myself ready. I'm going to make room for Jesus. Uh, you know what make room means, right? I mean, at our house... I hate to tell you that she's not in here. Um, so at our house, that means stuff's got to get moved. Like you got to, like you got to, like our house is fully on Christmas. Like every room, multiple trees. We even had a tree this year that we got. It was still in the box. And she said, why did I buy this tree? I said, I don't know. How do I know all this stuff? But everything goes, like everything goes in the box, everything's dusted, uh, furniture has to be moved around. I mean, it is make room for Christmas because it's coming in, right? Well, that's a good illustration of what you have to do. You got to move some stuff around. You got to think about your relationship with Jesus because the reason the church said this is the beginning of the year is because let's, let's get things right with Jesus, you should be closer to Jesus during the, as this Christmas season unfolds than any time during the year. It's his time, and he wants you to be close to them. So I wrote these words uh, to kind of give us a prayer. I hope that this won't be the only time that you pray it, but you'll say it out loud, and you'll think about it together, and then maybe you'll stick it somewhere in your Bible there so that you can pray it often. Maybe you can pray it every day uh, as you're working to prepare as we get ready for Christmas. Let's pray to see. You know, it's fine to pray with your eyes open and uh, reading it off the screen or off your paper there. Uh, but let's say it meaningfully, uh, these words. Ready? Jesus, this Christmas, help me prepare my heart. Help me get my eyes and my attention on you. I want you, Jesus, to be the center of my life and of my house. I offer to be humble and to put forth an effort to be better with myself and with others. Stay with me, Lord. I cannot celebrate the true meaning of Christmas without you being present. I know that the most important thing is not the gifts or the decorations, None of these have worth, Lord, if you are not with me. This Christmas, I give you my life. Please fill it with meaning, hope, and your amazing love. Lord, prepare my heart for Christmas. I love you, Jesus. Amen.